0: Say. greetings. Welcome to Indigenous Insights. I'm your host, Gladys Rowe, and I'm so grateful you are here. Each episode, I sit in conversation with Indigenous evaluation practitioners, leaders, researchers, and scholars who are working in, thinking about, and supporting Indigenous evaluation to share the learning they've experienced along the way. My hope is that these episodes allow you to reflect on how to design, implement, learn from, and support evaluation by, with, and for Indigenous families, communities, organizations, and nations. Join me and my guests as we open up our evaluation bundles to share what we've gathered in our journeys and bring them together into this space. I hope in these stories you will come to understand how we can collectively contribute to decolonial futures and strengthen Indigenous resurgence. Welcome, I'm so glad to be here today with Aneta Kram who is a doctoral candidate with the School of Health at the Victoria University of Wellington in Awataroa. Her doctoral research explores what Indigenous evaluation frameworks currently exist how they were developed, and the impact that they're having with the communities that they were developed for, in order to provide guidance to support other Indigenous communities in developing their own community-specific evaluation frameworks. So excited to have you here today, Anetta. I'm wondering if you would like to introduce yourself into the space in any other way before we get started on our conversation today.
1: Yeah, thank you so much Gladys. Kia ora koutou. Ko Takitimu Te Waka, ko Mohaka Te Awa, ko Ngāti Kahungunu Te Iwi, ko Te Hukitemarai, ko Ngāti uera, Te Hapu. Greetings everybody. I just shared how I connect with the land of Aotearoa New Zealand, so connecting with the mountain Rangi, the river Mohaka and my tribes Ngāti Kahungunu and Ngāti Pahawera as well. Thank you.
0: Thank you so much for sharing those relations that you bring with and connect to into the space. I've been really looking forward to this conversation for a long time, but I had a lot of patience because I know you're working on your PhD right now, and that is quite the journey for sure. And so I'm glad to spend some time with you today. And I'm wondering if we can start off maybe if you can share a little bit about how long you've been working in the field of Indigenous evaluation and how did you make your way into this space?
1: Uh, Yeah, sure. So uh, how long have I been in the field? I've been working sort of on and off for the past 10 years and I actually came into the field through my aunt. So Dr. Fiona Krem, a Maori researcher and evaluator here in Aotearoa So how I came into the space, I had finished my undergrad in 2013, I believe. So in an area that was absolutely unrelated to evaluation. So I'd done my degree in philosophy and religious studies and I started working for Fiona. She just invited me along to to get a little bit of work experience and and see what this whole evaluation thing was all about. I got involved kind of as a research assistant, working with her on a Kopapa Māori evaluation of a Māori boys after school program, which was sort of looking to connect young men to to their roots. And yeah, I got a little taster of that and thought it was really interesting. So I wanted to continue on from there. Yeah.
0: So your aunt hooked you into this work. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So in your experience and in that time, like what drew you to be interested? I'm assuming you're still interested because you're doing your PhD in this work. Like what drew you forward to say, yeah, this is something that's really important to me.
1: I think it was, part of it was the relational aspects, connecting in with different groups of people that were looking to uh, really make change for their community. And so seeing that and hearing different stories I don't know if beautiful is the right word, but it was really motivating. And, and to also to see the impact that evaluation can have, whether that's just getting a little bit of funding or putting down onto paper uh, people's experiences and just kind of like the impact of that, if that makes sense, that someone can actually read that quote and be like, oh, oh that was my experience and yeah it makes sense what you've written about me so that was part of the driver so I've been in and out of different evaluation spaces Maori indigenous and in other parts of the globe as well as it's very western spaces and so I did my master's in evaluation in in Australia a few years ago and for me so that was sort of like Getting a real taste of how Western evaluation is is taught, I and mean, what's expected. You know some of the the philosophical foundations as well as you know the methods that are privileged. And my education there was very very Western, with only small considerations being given to culture, and really nothing that focused on indigeneity. And to me, and especially after having a few conversations with others about it, and being told that my reflection on evaluation weren't correct as have you know starting off from from that kaupapa maori background and, and knowing the importance of that culture has an evaluation practice yeah so being able to see the difference and be like oh actually what I'm being taught here is very different from what I know to be true and I just felt that that's not so much anger, but more of a drive to push for indigenous thought and evaluation, and that's what led me to a PhD.
0: Yeah, it sounds like those were two very stark experiences, and I was going to ask you how did that feel, but you told me <laughs> it <laughs> gave you, it gave you drive and motivation. What are some of the the differences or like what just stood out for you as you were in that Western evaluation space versus the experiences you had with Kaupapa Maori you know backgrounds and understandings of those ways of doing evaluation that are more in line with community priorities
1: yeah interesting question I guess what stood out for me was that I was taught to Not that this is wrong, but I was taught to focus on the program, right? And sort of like the the program logic, what was happening in the program, how they were using funding and what they were doing and the best sort of qualitative, quantitative tools to be able to assess what's going on in the program. And it's like, yes, of course, that's important. But what I had learned from from my experience with Fiona and also other Maori evaluators in, in Aotearoa was also the importance of the process involved in the you know you need to have those relationships relationships are so important in evaluation as well as knowledge of culture and context where hearing the experience of an indigenous person going through a program might mean something completely different to a non-Indigenous evaluator versus an Indigenous evaluator who's from that, who has a shared background to to the person that they're speaking with, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. It's like, with that shared background, you kind of, there's there's an underlying code of what you're listening for, like what you're listening to learn about.
1: Yeah, and there's also that trust as well, and something that I've found is that people recognise that you get it, and that kind of allows them to feel comfortable and open up a little bit more and entrust you. Like there's a lot of trust that goes with people sharing their stories, and it's a privilege to hear it, as as we know. So yeah, I think that was one of the biggest things is that what I was learning in this master's course didn't feel like I was getting a full education especially being in Australia and and on the land of other indigenous peoples and that not being brought up at all during this master's program so yeah
0: yeah, so it sounds like that served, that experience served as, you know, an impetus or a catalyst to where you are today. And I'm wondering if you want to, you know, share a little bit about your PhD journey and what you've been thinking about and, and working on.
1: So I'm in my fourth year at the moment and looking at Indigenous evaluation frameworks. And part of why I wanted to dive down into this particular area was. After having a few conversations, again, one with my aunts, she comes up a lot in in my story and how I became an evaluator. So having conversations about where we're heading in terms of Kaupapa Māori evaluation and also Indigenous evaluation more broadly. And it's really this, this idea that we're at a place where communities want to develop their own frameworks getting more local which is a really really exciting place to be in so I wanted to look at what's currently out there what frameworks have been developed how they've been developed who was involved what knowledge was privileged what sort of contextual factors influence the development of these frameworks so so did that a few years ago and ended up really focusing in on four frameworks from different parts of the globe. So Nabiña Framework in Australia, Evaluation with Aloha Framework from Hawaii. I will not be able to pronounce this correctly, but I'm going to give it a go. The Nagamo Wabishi Kizi Ojiak Benise Ki Watino Singing White Crane Flying North framework, which is an author and developer, you, you know a lot about, and Te Kore Koreka framework in, in Aotearoa. And yeah, so I kind of wanted to, to look at them, sort of looking at the literature that informed the developments and that kind of thing. So, so that's kind of where I'm at at the moment, is writing up different chapters for for each of these frameworks.
0: Thank you for sharing a little bit about your journey through your PhD and you know where you're at in this moment and I'm really excited to celebrate you when you get to the point where where you're all done this work and to you know really read and reflect on the learning and, and what you're drawing forward. So I'm excited for that. I'm wondering if you're in a space where you might be able to reflect on like what has this experience been like for you. Learning about building relationship with these four frameworks and, and kind of, you know, what, what are you sitting with or thinking about in this moment right now, knowing that you're not really at the end of your journey yet and things might shift and grow?
1: I'm, I'm sitting with how different they are and how important that is because they're developed by different Indigenous peoples and really grounded in the culture, cultural base. That they were developed with and them sort of reflecting on on some of the learnings from that and, and what that might mean for indigenous evaluation moving forward, and especially for for other communities that might be looking to develop their own framework is sort of like what do we really need to consider when we think about evaluation within our own communities? Sure, of course it uh, does need to. Consider protocols and, and also how we conduct evaluation that's aligned with the culture and priorities of our people, but also what about these external factors like policies, programs that are being developed for us but not by us? What does that mean for evaluation if we want to do that right? These funding considerations, what does it mean when... You know, a lot of government agencies do not see the legitimacy in Indigenous evaluation approaches. You know, how do we sort of speak back to that, push back against that? And also another thing which which I've held across the PhD is also the privilege of, of getting an insight into the different lived realities of different groups of peoples. And what a gift that is to... Have people share their stories with me and have me hold these stories and care for them, and so I can give them back in, a, in an appropriate way.
0: So beautiful. Thank you for embracing my question when I know that it probably is, from my own experience, challenging to try and speak about your work when you're so immersed and in it in your day to day right now. Thank you. And some of the points that you brought forward kind of point to this, to the answers, I think, to this question, but I want to ask you explicitly. So in your experience from all of the the work and the wisdom that you carry forward to where you are right now, what would you say, like, if someone were to ask you, why is Indigenous evaluation important? What are some of the pieces you would share with them?
1: I think it's important because... It needs to happen, right? We live in <laughs> these Western colonial societies and have lived and are living by an imposed structure, imposed ways of thinking. And as we're, you know, the the great work of so many Indigenous people, Indigenous communities, and activists who are pushing back against that and. Fighting for the right, you know, to speak their own language, have indigenous histories being taught in schools, added to university curriculum, those sorts of things. Have programs being developed and undergirded by cultural practice and knowledge, and I think it's just right that indigenous evaluation, well, evaluation, the field of evaluation follows suit, as we need to have evaluation approaches and evaluation tools that can help to to tell the stories of these communities of these organizations of these programs in a way that is true to what is actually happening because I think there's so much that gets missed when the tools the frameworks or the ideas do not align with what is actually happening there's also I don't know if the listeners have heard of this, but Nanwehi Wehi Pehana created a model looking at the impact that having evaluation that is done onto you can have on a community, on Indigenous communities. So yeah, having a spectrum where it's from the evaluation that's done onto you versus when it's led by Indigenous communities. And when it's on the other end of the, the scale, when it's done onto communities, there is that greater potential for harm to be done, you know, for stories to be misunderstood, which can lead to funding being cut or, you know, the process of evaluation leaving people not sitting well. So I think it's really important as a way of not only asserting Indigenous ways of thinking in the evaluation space, but also Mitigating that continuous harm that can be caused by neo colonial practices and living in these very colonial Western societies.
0: Thank you for sharing those reflections. I will definitely look at that paper. Is it an article that you just referenced?
1: I'm not sure that she's written up as an article, but it's definitely online. It was a presentation that she did to the Australian Evaluation Society
0: awesome i will search for that yeah and i think that points also to one of the the points that you made previous to this question around you know there's not value or understanding or you know funders or decision makers not really believing that indigenous evaluation is as important maybe and so there's a whole undoing of you know, mental models or ways of thinking about indigenous knowledges that I think evaluation, like you shared, has an important role and accountability in, you know, in the field of evaluation to like in Canada, there's the Truth and Reconciliation Commission. And so if we're looking at reconciliation through evaluation practices, it's about sovereignty over who is telling the story, the evaluation stories and and even deeper, who then is providing the evidence that is designing the programs in the first place? And it just kind of weaves together, for me, the paradigm shift that needs to happen in order for so much of you know our well-being and, and our self-determination and our sovereignty as indigenous nations globally to be positively impacted and evaluation. Has such a significant role in that, and and that's not really something that I understood as when I started, you know, as an undergrad or a master's student. I'm not sure if you have a reflection on kind of your thoughts on that.
1: Yeah, I didn't either. And the PhD has been a big, big learning journey, but I think it's definitely it feels a little empty sometimes when people make these claims or state that you know hear it. You know, we're gonna honor Tzeriti, te which is the you know, the foundational document for Aotearoa that was signed between the British and, and Iwi leaders back in 1840, which was really around and around partnership. And it's when you make those statements that the university is gonna align with Tetsuiti te and uphold it, and then their actions or their policies go against that, then it just feels it feels like empty words and it's just that it's just that reminder that I guess the fight isn't over. Even, you know, though might have the Truth and Reconciliation Act, it's these other government agencies, organizations still need to be told how to do things better and also to step aside as well. You know, there's still that sort of paternalistic idea that you know, they know best, they're going to implement policies and programs that will fix the problem that they caused. And yeah, I think it's, a, it is, it's that need to recognize that they shouldn't be leading this work and they need to really take direction from native people.
0: Hmm. So much more depth needs to happen for sure. So, so much needs to change and also so much great work is being done in the realm of Indigenous evaluation. And so thinking about, you know, what you, ideally, what does an Indigenous evaluation, what can it look like from design to implementation to end? And that's a, a really big span. So if you want to jump in and, you know, at any point there and share some of your reflections on like, what does this need to look like?
1: Yeah, so, right, it's, it's a tough question because it's so unique to to different people in different places. But from what I've learned, if we're talking about an evaluation that has been commissioned by a government agency, then ideally what that would look like is, is having the funder being hands-off there being minimal strings attached to the evaluation. And for there to be flexibility around funding and in time. Because as we know, when working with with our people, sometimes it takes longer. And, you know, because we need to do it right. And it needs to be done in the right way. And, yeah, and also, if at all possible, led by an Indigenous person from the community that they're working with. But, you know, sometimes that's not possible. So there being a little bit of a partnership approach there could also be ideal, whether that's with an advisory group or sort of supporting evaluation capacity within the community. So bringing people on to help with data collection and learn, um, because that's also a way of of putting some of that funding again into the community. And then... Um, They're very, you know, if, if we're talking about the actual ideal of what an Indigenous evaluation could look like, it's, and I think it's very much an ideal, given the world that we live in. It's when communities already have those resources, whether they have internal evaluation knowledge and capacity, or they can have access to an external evaluator that is Indigenous and of their community where there are those relationships already in place and there's an intimate knowledge of, of the place and culture. I think that's a very important component of, of good indigenous evaluation. But yeah, I guess I guess really an evaluation that is conducted is grounded in cultural protocols, is done with great respect. There is a focus on relationship and community priorities are privileged
0: yeah yes absolutely thank you for tackling that really big uh, broad question and bringing it down into the need for local context the need for resources and I love that you started off with the responsibility of the funder in that space as well and thinking about how Funding expectations and reporting and the strings that are attached also needs to shift in order for Indigenous evaluation to be able to flourish. Right now, in this broad thing called Indigenous evaluation, what are you excited about?
1: Well, (laughs) this might be an an unexpected answer, but I'm excited about Framework's. I'm excited about communities developing their own tools for evaluation because it's quite common now, nowadays, you've got communities starting to think, oh, actually, why don't we just do this ourselves? Or we can do this and we can add our own flavour. So I'm really excited about what has been developed and including the, the four frameworks that I mentioned before, but also, you know, what isn't currently available from a quick Google search that people are keeping to themselves, that they're developing their own evaluation capacity. And yeah, just excited to see what comes out of that and how our field evolves as we move forward, how, as we learn from each other and move from that whole, that global space to more of a local space.
0: Yeah, I'm wondering... If you can speak a little bit more about that global to local, you know, at the beginning, you talked about the importance of, or kind of the move from the global to the local as Indigenous evaluation continues to evolve and become more honed in on context and languages and land. Do you have any examples local to you that you can share about what these practices have looked like at a local level?
1: yeah sure so here in Aotearoa indigenous evaluation looks like Kopapa maori evaluation so evaluation that is by maori for maori with maori and as maori so where maori ways of thinking and doing are, are considered normal and that's how evaluation is framed so that's been sort of the you know, sort of how we've thought about evaluation with Māori for at least 15 to 20 years now. And so what we're seeing here is so iwi, so tribal groups taking up the mantle or working with evaluators to to come up with their own local Ways of doing evaluation. So one example is Te kure Ka, one of the frameworks that I've included in my research. So it's a framework developed by an iwi group from down south, so Ngai Tahu group, and so they have developed a model that is informed by one of their creation stories. So it's te kure So it's based on the idea that life emerged in three stages so it was te kore, which is the nothingness and then te por, which is the night and then te ao which is you know the world and life around us and so they've taken that idea and it's sort of informed how they're thinking about well not only evaluation but also that's Program development, how their organization runs. And it's those phases of learning where you move through, you know, to kore, te po, and te ao. So you're moving from these phases of sitting in the darkness and, and seeing what emerges, what comes forth as you move into uh, a into conceptualizing your, your thoughts and putting them down. So, that, so that's one example. And they've also, This is also an example of a group where they do their own evaluation work as well as work with funders as well to do evaluation. So it's really driven by their own priorities and what they want for themselves. So that, again, it's having that resource flexibility of time and funding, which has actually come out of my research as being really quite important when we're thinking about Indigenous evaluation is that need for flexibility and not to be told when things need to be done by. But yeah, and they're also using this framework as a tool to to push back against funders as well and sort of to educate them on what evaluation looks like within their communities. So for example, if a funder wants X, Y, Z, then they have conversations bringing in their framework and being like, can we align these two? This is what we prioritize within our organization. And can that align with what you're expecting from us? So, yeah, so that's, I I think, a really cool example.
0: Yeah, thank you. And I like how, you know, the foundation of that framework, then the expectation is, for that funder to enter into a different kind of relationship where there is that conversation about what is going to be measured. And and I imagine that there is often some movement that needs to happen from the funder's perspective about what's important to measure and how the community might measure that in a way that's meaningful. The episode Just before this one, I just finished speaking with Dr. Kim Vanderwoord here in Canada from Reciprocal Consulting, and she tells a story about, you know, her unlearning of a Euro-Western paradigm of evaluation and going into community and sharing presentation about all of these disparities and inequities and, and, you know, challenging health outcomes that Indigenous peoples face and, and how the statistics and a youth in the audience puts their hand up and says, it sounds like you're measuring, maybe you're measuring the wrong kinds of things. <laughs> and it kind of draws forward into this conversation that we're having around like measuring what matters to Indigenous communities. And that can feel really different for funders and funding relationships, I think.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it's, I've heard this a, a couple of times though where evaluators talk about how people aren't talking to them you know it's just like oh what's wrong with these communities why aren't they giving me why aren't they responding to my tools and it's like the community is not the problem it's that you're approaching this in the wrong way and you might not be asking the right question yeah for sure
0: Yeah. So I love the things that you're excited about and and it totally makes sense that you're excited about frameworks. That's something that you are so living within right now. And I'm glad that you're still excited about the work that you are doing for your PhD. I wonder if you have anything that you would like to share for emerging Indigenous evaluators. You know, if you were to speak to them in the space right now, what would you love for them to know about Their work about maybe things that you've learned along the way?
1: Something about my journey and that I'm very grateful for is that I came into the field through the mentorship and the guidance of my aunt, who's an already established Kaupapa Maori evaluator. So having that support and that guidance has been really invaluable. And I know that that's not the case for a lot of emerging Indigenous evaluators. And I think what's difficult is, especially if you're coming through, you know, university, you know, these Western institutions, and, you know, as as your previous guest mentioned, it's, it's hard to unlearn these Western ways of thinking about evaluation, And I guess something that I I would like to share with emerging Indigenous evaluators is to find your people, if that, you know, if you can, if that's not other Indigenous evaluators, then, you know, your family or people in your community, just as that sort of, that reference point, point, that post that you can always go back to and be like, ah, right, right this is what I'm doing it for and there's a different way of doing things um, than what I've been taught and even if you if you don't have those people then going to the literature you know having these texts which we do have Linda, Linda Smith's book decolonizing Methodologies is always the one for me but it's just that reminder that you know of what we're doing it for we're We're doing this work for our people, and we don't have to follow these Western approaches in order to do that.
0: Mm, Thank you. And I love those words of wisdom find your people. It's definitely, you know, when I know for me, when I'm in a space where I don't have to start from the beginning explaining everything that has brought me to the moment of whatever I'm feeling, you know, having kind of a shared understanding or a shared context or a shared experience of doing work in Indigenous evaluation finding your people can feel like a breath of fresh air can feel like a big hug can feel like, you know, a warm cup of tea together, all of those lovely feelings. So I love that. Thank you for sharing. Are there any other pieces, you know, as we thought about our time together and and met and, and chatted about it, were there any other pieces that you were thinking about that you wanted to draw forward into this conversation or right now in this moment you know, reflecting on, is there anything else that you want to make sure to share into this space for the listeners to think about Indigenous evaluation and this work moving forward into the future?
1: Yeah, it's something that I reflected over when I started doing my PhD studies and that question of Am I just looking local within Aotearoa, Or do I want to expand and look at frameworks in other indigenous spaces with other indigenous communities? And something that I've thought about of how to do that work, how to engage with different cultural groups that I don't belong to, is to really think about how I'm going to approach that, how I'm going to approach different people from different cultures how I'm going I'm going to engage with the knowledge that they share with me I'm going to engage with the different way that these people see the world so part of my my methodology is is called manuhiritanga which in English means the way of being a good guest and to me that was so my approach to my research is using a Kopapa Māori methodology. So taking that a little bit further. So really grounding down in, in who I am as a Māori person, sort of what that means to me and, and who I am as Māori and also as an Indigenous person. And then taking these, these principles of manaakitanga, which is caring, of tanga, of, of connecting and relationship building, and, applying that to, to how I go about and engage with Indigenous peoples from different parts of the world. I don't know if that's enough detail on that, but it's, it's definitely how that, for other Indigenous evaluators, especially if you find yourself working with cultures or communities that you don't belong to, I think it is that, that point of reflecting on who you are as a person within your culture, but also being mindful that you're stepping into a space where you're a guest and there are different protocols to follow. There's a different way of holding yourself that you need to be a little bit mindful of. But yeah, I'll stop there. Thank you. Yeah,
0: thank you for drawing that forward. And I will definitely link, I know we have a blog post on the American Evaluation Association about being a good guest in different cultural spaces. So I'll make sure to link that as well for listeners. And I'm so glad that you included that in your, in your reflection as well. I'm so happy to have shared this space with you today and to have gotten to hear a little bit more about your PhD work and how you came to this journey. And yeah, thank you. Thank you so, so very much for, for spending time with me today.
1: Uh, thank you. It's been a real privilege.
0: Wonderful. I'm so glad you spent time with us today. I have a few notes to wrap up this episode. If you're enjoying the podcast, please subscribe on your favorite streaming service, including Podbean, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts, so that you don't miss an episode. Also, this podcast is self-supported, and I'm hoping to make the work more sustainable. So if you're finding the content interesting and valuable, please consider supporting Indigenous Insights through Buy Me A Coffee. You can find the link in the show notes. Finally, I would like to extend an invitation. If you are someone who has an interest in Indigenous evaluation and would like to have a conversation on this podcast, I would love to hear from you. Please send me a note and we can connect about your work, what you're learning, and the questions you're thinking about. That's it for this week. I look forward to sharing this space with you again soon. Ego se.